Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Bienvenidos a otro episodio de Pili Raúl en la música. Woo! Hola, Pili. Hola, Raúl. So, I have a heavy question, very hard question for okay, you. Okay, hit me with your best shot. How important is your cultural heritage? Wow, Raúl coming in strong, man. <laughs> Actually, that's an easy question for me to answer because I am so extremely proud of being Latina. And because, as you know, I don't look your stereotypical Latina. I constantly have to be justifying and explaining that I am, in fact, Puerto Rican. But I do it with a lot of joy and, like I said, with a lot of pride because I think I'm lucky to have been born as a Latina. And I love being Puerto Rican. And I wave that flag whenever I have a chance. Well, same goes for me, being Mexican, especially being on a primarily English-speaking radio station here in L.A. But did you know that 73% of U.S. Hispanics agree that their cultural heritage is a very important part of who they are? I love that. And... I feel like that's how it should be. And that statistic, Raul, that you just shared with us is part of Nielsen's study titled La Oportunidad Latinx, Cultural Currency and the Consumer Journey. Very exciting that we got to visit the Nielsen office and speak to Stacy de Armas, who's just a ball of energy, enjoys talking numbers, statistics, projections, and she's with us to explain more about it. Check it out. Nielsen is changing the dialogue about the way the Latinx generation and Latinos are consuming music. It's shining a light into who we really are and in a way that's never been done before. And the trends are staggering, right, Billy? Así mismo es. And to talk a little bit more about this and an amazing study that Nielsen just published this year, with us we have Stacy de Armas. She's VP of Strategic Initiatives and Consumer Engagement. Hi. Hi. Gracias. Hola. Thanks for having me. Well, it's awesome. Thank you for inviting us to your uh, beautiful uh, offices here. I mean, what floor are we on? The 20th? 20th floor, Hollywood, California. Yeah. Not a bad view. Not, Not a bad, bad view. Bad it's a beautiful no. view. You see the Hollywood sign. Perfect place to talk about music. Yes. Absolutely. So I'm a big numbers geek myself. I studied a lot of stat classes back in the day in school because I actually studied urban planning. So, you know, talking about census data, uh, you know, different projections and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. I'm a total numbers geek myself. But I want to know, like, how you got started with stats and all this world that you live in now. Yeah, I'm definitely in a numbers world. I, I, I will tell you, young me, like college me, would have been like, no way. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not going to grow up and be all into numbers and data. But old me loves it. I, you know, it's super fun. I, um, I went to school here in Southern California. I went to Cal Poly and I studied. Um, Wait a minute. Pomona? Cal Poly Pomona. So go Broncos. Yeah, go Whoa! Broncos. <laughs> Look at that. And I, I studied um, communications there. And yeah. I 
kind of didn't, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do or, you know, what what my journey was going to be. Um, but I landed my first real job at an ad agency here in LA also, uh, McCann Erickson at the time. And there I fell into media planning and buying. And that's all numbers, right? It's Nielsen data. It's trying to understand what the trends are with television and what's happening in radio so that you can better place uh, media. And so through that experience, I, I came up, I certainly found a love for numbers. And then I started focusing on the Hispanic community. And that's where really I fell in love. So Nielsen was part of your life since you started your professional career? Yeah, always. Wow. Indi- indirectamente. Right. Directa, pero de indirectamente. <laughs> always part of this, always part of my life and my professional journey. And so I have a, a, a soft spot in my heart for Nielsen. It's been a great journey for sure. And I have to say, you guys are making numbers and stats so interesting because you recently released a study called La Oportunidad Latinx, Cultural Currency and the Consumer Journey, which, by the way, you can find online. It's totally free and it's super mega interesting. So Nielsen.com, right? Yes, that's right. Nielsen.com forward slash Latinos. What has been the biggest discovery for you during this study? Wow. So we do these every year and there's always something, you know, really fascinating. We go over all the numbers, we update, you know, it's a, it's a sort of our love letter to the marketplace. So everybody can sort of know, you know, their consumer power so brands can better understand about our community. Uh, and there are always some interesting findings, but I think possibly the most fascinating uh, is just how much our, our culture plays a role in who we are and how we activate in the brand marketplace. I think instinctively we know that, right? Well, we know Latinos are different. We know we do things differently and we behave differently, um, but really underpinning why and then learning how brands, marketers, and others can engage with us on our terms based on that research. That's been the most fun. I know that's sort of broad, um, but I think that's possibly the most interesting. The We were sort of talking earlier about cultural anthropology, right? So it's that's the piece of the data and numbers that we like to bring forward with this report. I would say the fact that um, even though Latinos are largely U.S. born today, that we are engaging and wrapping our arms around our culture more than we ever have. I've seen those numbers increase year over year while the um, immigrant population is decreasing, so Latinos are more and more U.S. born. Yet things like um, you know speaking Spanish at home and uh, continue being it being important to us that our children continue our cultural traditions, all of these things that really root us in our culture are are actually increasing year over year. So I find that fascinating. Yeah, I mean that's the way you know Latino families happen and the the inherent culture and the upbringing and everything. So it makes sense. Um, is there any kind of information that has like shocked you the most that you've discovered during the study? Well, sure. Yeah, actually. I, I, so Latinos are a very young population, right? Our median age, we discussed in the report, is 28. Uh, the median age for the whole U.S. is 37.7, 38. But we're included in that, so we're bringing that number down. Mm-hmm. The median age uh, of non-Hispanic whites in the U.S. is 44. So wait for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you my most <laughs> shocking fact. Um, so 28 is our median age, but the most common age, if we kind of go back to seventh grade math for a minute, you have mean, median, and mode, right? Mm-hmm. So mean is you add them up and you divide. Median is right in the center if you line up. Mode means most common. And so the most common age for non-Hispanic white in the U.S. today is 58. The most common age for Latinos in the U.S. today is just 11. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wait, but that shocked you, though, right? That shocked everybody, probably. It does, because even with a, a median age of 28, you wouldn't think 
that there would be more Latinos aged 11 than any other group, you know, than, than any other group within the Latino community. So it's shocking for a few reasons. One, because like, wow, you know, that's remarkable. But two, it, it underscores how young our community is and it helps us contextualize other things right like our educational journey like what our household income looks like you know even with a median age of 28 one thing people always point to and when i think about my role as a myth buster is they say well uh you know the latino community on average and this is within the report too the household income on average is about ten thousand dollars less than non-hispanic white us well duh I mean, our right, media, we're our younger. Media, right, our median age is 28. <laughs> right. The, uh, the rest of the community's median age is 44. Like, that's to be expected. You know, that we are at the very front of what will be, uh, you know, really a rapid growth and rapid closing of that gap in very short order. When, you know, think about 28 for yourselves. It is a remarkably different than 44. You're for at the sure. beginning of major acquisition years, major, um, you know, career growth. Like, and and only and only a ten thousand dollar difference. That's that's remarkable. Yeah, that's going to disappear very quite quickly. I quickly. would imagine, especially if you look at educational attainment. You know, and in two thousand and sixteen, of all Latinos that graduated high school in two thousand and six, of all of all people, let me start with that that graduated high school in two thousand and sixteen, seventy percent went you know immediately to college, right? Enrolled in college for Latinos, that number was seventy two percent, surpassing mm. the national average. I love that. So, Yay, Latinos! <laughs> love it. But going back to the median age being median. so young, um, that also explains the fact that we love live music. We so let's go music. into the nitty gritty of what we all love here, what you at home love. We're all music lovers. Mm -hmm. Stacy's a music lover. Obviously, Raul is a huge music lover. I myself <laughs> am a music lover. And you who are listening to us are a music lover as well. So as Latinos, we love to consume music. Tell us from your study, what have you found of how we consume it? One of the things that's remarkable about the state of music today when it comes to Latinos is that we can and do access content on our terms whenever we want, meaning like frictionless access to content has changed our ability to connect with culture. Wait, what? What is that? What is frictionless? I don't, I don't know what that means. Okay, yes. frictionless access to content means right now, any of us or any of your listeners at home can say to their uh, their Google or their Alexa, and I I won't say it because it'll turn it on for everybody. But they can they can. <laughs> we you should can, try that. that. That might be fun. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Stacey. Stacey do something. You can tell your device to play Maluma, right? Farruko, whatever you want. And and without having to take multiple steps, you can connect with content in language and in culture in a hot second, right? You can just, uh, whether it's it's music, whether it's a podcast, you can ask your device to play something for you in a way that, you know, for my parents, even just a few years prior, um, you know, they, they didn't have that opportunity. It, it This is really remarkable. So that's, by the way, one of the reasons we see people connecting so much more with culture, because they can. Right, because it's so accessible. It's so accessible. Um, but when it comes to music, things like annual spend on music, Latinos exceed every other group for spending more money on music, and not just live events, but physical albums, streaming, premium streaming services. So it's, you know. Concerts, we, festivals. Concerts, festivals, DJ uh, DJ events. Go, Raul, go. <laughs> Large and small. Some of the other things I think that are um, really remarkable, like when it comes to live music attendance, 66% of Latinos tell us that they attend live music events, but 
Perhaps more interesting is that they over-index, right? 23% more likely than their same aged peers to attend events. So there's something there, right? What is it? Like, what is it that makes Latinos so drawn to live music and live entertainment? I love that. I know. Like, we're talking about places like, you know, whether it's a concert venue in L.A. or festivals like Coachella, Lollapalooza, Mm -hmm. Rido Fest. There's so many different ways that people actually digest the music and actually buy it. You know, we're kind of in an era where people don't buy music anymore or don't pay for anything anymore. But it's good to see that the Latino culture and the Latinx generation is actually really still purchasing music. Yeah, and I think what's happened is it's really sort of been a shift, right? So where there was a, you know, there is still a lot of purchases of of physical music, but people have shifted to a streaming culture, which is a good thing, right? Because it's allowed us to be able to access content, so much more content from so many more artists. And when you even look at playlisting um, for Latinos, you have such a broad range of consumption because it is, you know, it's a comfortable culture. Radio in particular has the highest reach with Latinos than any other group, right? 96% reach. And again, it's interesting because you're like, you know, how does radio command such a strong share? And the answer is, you know, think about... Because Raul is in it. That's right. Yeah, that's the I'm answer. Here. That's, that's all me. <laughs> Thank you, Raul. Uh, it's because, you know, radio is a very important part of our, the cultural constructs that we've had here in the U.S., right? Before we had all this, this access to content like we do today, there was a radio station in your market, a, a Spanish radio station, one or two TV stations, your local paper. In the car. Right. And so that was where we got our news and information that was within for our community. It was from your Latino station. That That's where you got it. So those behaviors, though, are sort of carried forward. And S- Spanish language radio is so much different than general market radio when you think about how it connects uh, the community with culture. Right. And it's even crossing culture because uh, I was talking with Billy about this the other day that I was listening to a, 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 a Spanish station, mm-hmm. uh, all the music in Spanish, but then when they went to advertisement, one of the commercials came in and it was just solely in English. So you know that the 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 languages, the generations, the cross-culture is happening even on stations that you would traditionally hear being primarily English or primarily Spanish, which is crazy. Yeah. What's super interesting is like, so today, 78% of Latinos that are 18 or older tell us they speak some Spanish at home. Remarkable, young, you know, for a young population. But What's super interesting about that is that because Latinos are largely U.S. born today, consuming content and speaking in Spanish is actually by, is by choice, not by default. Right. So that means the content that we receive that's in language has to, has to meet, you know, it has to meet us at a higher level. It's more valuable because that messaging is we are opting in to receive that versus you know, yesteryear when our, I think of like my grandparents or my dad, you, you know, you, that was where, that was where you got your news information. That was the language and that, that was you spoke. that was your choice. Right. right. But now it's, it's, which means the, you know, the expectation is higher. It is absolutely great to see that Latino purchasing power is challenging brands to step up their game to a higher level. And this leads to more socioeconomic research on why Latinos listen, engage, and consume mas musica. One of the things we love to do at Nielsen is we like to look at the data, right? The hard numbers. How many, how much, super important. Um, but what we also do that people don't know is we do a lot of economic and social research. So um, 
in some of the social research that we had the same question, like, well, why why are Latinos predisposed to do, you know, to have more social activity, to engage more uh, online, to go to concerts more? What What is it about uh, Latinos that bring this behavior forward just for this group, even when compared to their same age non-Hispanic peers? And our social research uh, have has helped us uh, understand that Latinos are we come from a collectivist culture. So that means that we um, we put the needs of group and community ahead of our own needs, and that is our, those, that's a cultural pillar. So if we know that Latinos are a collectivist culture, those same behaviors are ported over into our activities here. Whether you're, you're US born or foreign born, those are cultural pillars that we gain from our community interactions here. So that means that how we engage with one another and our expectations of dialogues with brand, our expectation of dialogues with artists are, are amplified, mm. right? So um, for example, we were talking about um, uh, the social dialogue that takes place around award shows, right? And when you look at the social dialogue generated um, by Latinos from, you know, based on posts that have come directly from talent, it really helps you understand just how important uh, talent and that personal engagement is for our community as compared to non-Latinos. You should share that data because that was one of the things that shocked me the most when I read the study was that as Latinos, we love to consume music shows or music award shows, right? That's the type of mm -hmm. TV show that we like to, to see. And also share those numbers, oh, please, because they're just fascinating. <laughs> so, for, so let's first talk about it overall. For music-related Hispanic TV specials, you have about... 29%, less than a third of the content that is being placed by talent. So that means that the talents are one that generating the posts on Instagram, on, on Twitter, on Snapchat, Facebook. And by talent, you mean like Maluma, J Balvin, That's right. Lele Pons, like from influencers to actual singers. Talent, so specific, yeah. That, so they're posting about a little less than a third of the content, but overall it generates three quarters of the total engagement around that particular program is generated just from 29% of, of the placement, which means all of the other placement, like the other, you know, 70% uh, of the placement is only generating like 25%. Wow. So what that means, if we're to contextualize it, is that Latinos are drawn to personal social dialogue that's coming from talent and celebrities. Mm. It just illustrates how important personal social engagement is to Latinos when it comes from a source that's meaningful, right? So that's overall. But if you look specifically at something like Latin Grammys from last year, you have 34% of the content being placed by talent, generating 85%. So that's all, that's like almost all. And for the Latin AMAs, which just happened, 92% of all of the social dialogue came from 36% of the placement. So just by talent. So that means like all of the amplified social dialogue that we see happening online is generated by just a portion of the original posts that are coming from talent. That's how important, you know, talent and, and personal connection is to Latinos. And yeah. that takes us back to collectivist culture. And you can see it because even like Latin Grammys last year, with just the opening alone, where you had uh, Will Smith, mm -hmm. Mark Anthony, mm -hmm. Bad Bunny. I mean, just this whole kind of cross-pollination of different artists and genres coming together. And you, the, the response was crazy. Like I was watching social media and everything like just blow up about just that opening sequence. But you compare it to the traditional Grammys, you don't get that kind of like impact like right off the bat, which is crazy. The top three that generated most of that engagement were 
Will Smith, Bad Bunny, and Carol G. Wow. So just what you're saying. I mean, that's where yeah. most of it came from. And yes, we have Will Smith and we wrap our arms around Bad Bunny sure. and Carol G. But, you know, the, the point is, is, and this is what we try and talk to brands about, is that there is an element of, of social engagement that is amplified for the Latino community. So that means that dialogue, either through your, your influencer partner, you know, or through another partner, has to be elevated to really meet this particular um, expectation, right? Our community is expecting that the messages that we have, the dialogue, the back and forth dialogue, either with a brand or frankly with an artist, we can talk about, you know, uh, artist engagement too, is more personal and more engaging. And that is, that's a cultural pillar. That is our predisposition to want to engage on a level that is more personal. That's cultural and that's science. Who would have ever thought that numbers and stats could be this interesting? I'm so engaged, <laughs> seriously. I, I mean, I wish we had a camera so you at home could actually see our faces. We're just like looking at Stacy, like, oh my God, like our mouth is open. I really do hope that agencies and, and, and marketers are listening to us and that they buy and study all of these stats and studies that Nielsen is putting out there. Because let me tell you, Stacy, I used to have a, a music show. It was a TV show that basically did what we do here at Pili uh, La Musica, which is interview Latin musicians, mostly focused on the Latin alternative world, right? And I had the show for three years and it was sponsored by a car company. And then they stopped the sponsorship. So we stopped being mm -hmm. on air. And then ever since then, for the following two years, I was going to like Univision and Telemundo and all these big networks. And I would come so close for them buying the show. And then they would be like, es que la musica no vende. Oh, they would be like music doesn't sell that's not true or like agencies or marketers are like oh no music doesn't sell I'm like um, the proof is in the pudding 58% hey, of Latinos told us that they have a more favorable attitude toward brands that engage with live music and live streams and in fact Latinos over index they're 40% more likely to say I view a brand more favorably when they engage with music and artists that I love part of it is the fact that Latinos are younger but the other part of it is that music allows us to culturally connect in a way that other content doesn't you know I mean there's there are a lot of ways to connect with content but music is special and you know it when you feel it and you know it when you hear it we were at this um, this festival once for Nielsen and I brought my children with me I had my daughter and my son and there was also sorts of music um, at this festival and then the bands changed and the new band that came on was an Afro uh, Afro-Cuban band and as they started playing music my son at the time was like I don't know probably nine he turned to me and he said mom this sounds right and wow. I wow. and I said what, what do you mean and, and me, I, me too me too I, I actually I felt once I understood what he meant, I sort of really got the feels about it because I knew what he meant, right? This Afro-Cuban music felt like what he has become comfortable with. And while all the music was great and we enjoyed all of it, all, all the, you know, there was banda, there, everything was there. This particular artist and this music made him turn to me at nine and say, oh, this, this feels right. And I knew what he meant. Where was this? Uh, this was at a park. Uh, in Westchester, and okay. it was around um, World Cup. It was several years ago, and it, they uh, the city had put on something, and there were the, just different artists come in at booths. And Nielsen had a booth at this event, and we were talking to people about the importance of saying yes, um, particularly the Latino community, about saying yes when you're asked to be in a survey. And so the music was just sort of ancillary; it was over by the stage. And it, when it came on, he turned to me as we're handing out sunglasses and talking to people about being included and being counted, and he said, "This feels right." And I, I did. I really kind of my eyes uh -huh. welled, and I thought. Can you say that again so I can get it on tape? <laughs> 
And that actually brings us back to what we were talking about as to like, why do Latinos consume so much music? And some of them we can list, mm -hmm. but some of it we can't. You know, right. it's obviously such a part of our DNA and we just can't describe it. It just... We love it. But I, I'm glad the rest of the world is sort of getting on board with it. You know, I mean, it's it's an incredible year this year. You know, Coachella, all the festivals yeah. that featured uh, Latinos. We talked before about, um, you know, things like Cirque du Soleil. It's cross-cultural. While we want to wrap our arms around what is ours, I'm glad that, you know, that the other, that other communities are enjoying what we're bringing forward. It's funny because we were talking to different brands and they say, like, how do we tap into that community of the cool kids and the cool kids that they're referencing are the young Latino population that are going to be the next young professionals with dispensable income and all these kind of things that are going to be driving yeah, like GDP and everything that you talk about like the economy in the states even around the world but I'm sure you can break it down regionally whether it's LA New York mm -hmm. or all the different communities do you see any kind of like anything that's divisive or that you well, see kind of across the board? Latinos are, obviously the large markets have the majority of Latinos, right? Like Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, uh, Miami. But what we've seen that's really interesting is there's this sort of, you know, Latinos in the heartland, a ton of growth that's coming uh, from markets that you wouldn't traditionally yeah, imagine. Yeah, the rural areas. Right, and, and that is also fantastic. But what's great is I think um, these markets are, are providing an opportunity for Latinos to build and grow their 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 communities there. It is, listen, it is a it's a challenging time now for Latinos in America in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, but I also feel like largely uh, Latino communities are we are contributing so much that you know for many for many places their arms are open to what Latinos are bringing. Whether we are coming to be in the service industry or the professional industry, right. you know, contributing, bringing our children, bringing our culture. Uh, largely, not even outside of the big cities, you know, our our culture is being embraced, and that's evident in in the music with 69.8 billion on-demand audio and video streams of Latin music in 2018. With a B. With a B. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know that that tells you that our that our content is being loved, consumed, and enjoyed globally. And talking about content that we love to consume mm. you have really good news for us and for all of you who love podcasts just like we do um i hear that you guys did a study and it seems like 57 percent told you guys that they're super interested in podcasts not only super interested but podcast engagement is way up we have a way up way up and that is music to our ears <laughs> we love that it's way up by everyone, but half of Latinos told us, I am listening to more podcast content than I was one year ago. So Latinos are in the game. Oh. So, so Stacy, what's your favorite podcast? My, Besides Pili Raul y la Musica, I was going to say, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> Super Mamas. I like, I like oh, you know yeah. what I feel like? It's such a, um, I just, I really love the, the message. I love the, it's so, it's so earthy and it's, it's so friendly and it feels like it, you know, it's, it feels like a good spot for me as a mother too. So I love that part. But of course I love this and I love, <laughs> I love music. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, I mean, this is really, it, it's across all generations, but even look at my, at my own children. My son's 15 and he has a podcast. He loves, I mean, he's on every day and every night. He's always listening to it when he's getting ready. It's um, Tiny Meat Gang. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I don't What's even know what that is. Interesting. I don't know, but I hope nothing bad. No, it's a <laughs> no. It's a. It's just a. It's just guys talking about sort of you know their experience and their and it's um. But it to me the behavior is what's most interesting, right? When you think about the fact that um, 57% Latinos said they're interested and another one quarter consider themselves fan. By the way, that's more than the general population. And the general population, only 41% uh, tell us that they're super interested. I see that behavior in my children too. And that makes me go back to think, well, what are our cultural predispositions, right? I mean, I don't know if we can say, uh, I think connecting, feeling connected and socially engaged is a cultural predisposition. And then I look at those behaviors not only among us, but I look at them in my own experience with my kids. And I see both of my kids have, you know, are engaged in podcasts. So it really tells me that the best is yet to come for podcasting. Again, I highly recommend you go to nielsen.com slash Latino and check out this new study that they've published because it's so interesting. And after you read it, you feel even more proud of being Latino. At least that was for me. And I think the intro, what you said, Raul, that Nielsen is kind of like changing the stereotype mm -hmm. is so true because you're shining a light on all these numbers that are facts. Yeah, and you have to know your power. I mean, our, our, I, think, I feel like that's one of the most important parts of this job is when I go out and I share our data and I share our story, right? I want people to, I have some takeaways for sure for brands. Like, hey, if you want to, you know, build your brand, if you want to, um, you know, make some revenue or generate some more revenue, this is where you need to be. But when I talk to consumer groups, you know, I want them to know their power. Like this is your, your buying power. Your buying power is 1.7 trillion today, soon to be 1.9 trillion. It, our GDP, which is a little bit of a different measure, is $2.13 trillion. Like wow. that's bigger than, than, that's like the, if it were its own economy, it'd be the eighth largest in the world. I mean, these are, you need to know your power. So when you are working, you know, when you're thinking about where you're going to spend your dollar, and this is one of the things that's that's actually, you asked me earlier what was surprising came from the data. This is another thing. Um, but when you were thinking about where you want to spend your dollar and who with, you have power to make, you know, make that that uh, that decision and, and to take into consideration what brands are bringing to you. Do they understand your American journey, right? They're, more than ever, Latinos are saying they want to engage with brands that have a social cause that they care about. Mm -hmm. you know? So one of the things I talk to brands about often is, People don't want to get in the political space, you know, and I understand that they don't want to say or if, if for whatever reason they're not comfortable bringing their brand into that space, that's okay. There are a lot of causes that are really important to Latinos. Education is one of the top ones for Latinos. K-12 education, when we look at sentiments, it's one of the most important. Um, interestingly enough, things like food safety and um, uh, environmental issues, these are things that we really didn't see a few years ago that are now right at the top of the space. Um, if a product is made by a company I trust, I'll buy it even if it costs more. Latinos over-index for this behavior. Mm. Trust and loyalty are huge in our community. But you know what? Raul and I have seen that too um, through our podcast because we've interviewed artists that are attached to a certain social cause like Mon Laferte, who is super pro the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. um, La Santa Cecilia, who talks a lot about immigration um, issues. And these are the bands that are most popular. Like these are the bands right. that actually stand for something. And then the fans love that even more. They love their music. They love their persona on stage. But the fact that they stand for something and that they're using their platform to convey a positive message makes them even a bigger fan. So I guess that translates to music as well. For sure. I mean, you know, the American journey for Latinos has been like I said, it's been, had some bumps in the road for sure. And increasingly, Latinos want to align 
with brands, with celebrities that understand that journey. They are 20% more likely to say that we expect the brands that we buy to support social causes. It's a, it's a, and that is 20% more likely over everyone else. Wow. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Because like talking about things like Coachella, not just Mon Laferte talking about LGBTQ, but even Los Tucanes de Tijuana, who yeah. were like the, it was the first time I ever seen so many people for the opening act on the main stage. Mm-hmm. And it was all Mexicans, you know, dancing along to all their songs. But then in between the songs, they were talking about social issues and immigration and the stuff that, going that on with, it. yeah, you name it, and, and everything going on with our borders. It's cool to see that these artists also understand their power and having that stage and that voice to be able to talk about it. Like even like Café Tacuba at Hollywood Forever just a couple nights ago that they were talking about all these social issues as well. You see Ruben talking about not just stuff going on in Mexico, but here in the States and in Chile and in South America, Climate everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. involved you know? in that too. Socially, I mean, I, it, it's, it's, it, it's just completely different if you think about um, sort of the traditional music space and, and Latin music space. Like the... It, we, I feel like we're at different points, but right. in a very good way. Like our, our community, as you said, not not just the people, but our artists, our influencers, our you know our brands. Like Goya is another good example. Are using their power to influence and to grow and to support our community in a way that I I haven't seen and I don't really see. Uh, in the general market space. No, it is happening there too, and I'm, I'm not right. saying it's not, but it is so prevalent in our community. It makes me proud. Okay, so tell us about your experience with music then. You said your yeah. first oh concert was El Puma. It was, I was... Even uh, I can consider him a hunk. I mean, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it was a long time so ago. Long. I was, I had actually just come back from studying in Mexico. I had studied uh, in high school. I studied for a summer in um, in Jalapa, in Veracruz. And I, I came back and we... It was like a friend of my mom, like one of my one of my friend's moms, and she was like, "We're going to see El Puma," and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and um, did you know who he was already? I, no? I didn't at that okay, time. No, right. although I was, I mean, I I was familiar with the time. I mean, at the time, I think we talked, you know, Caifanes and Lale, everybody right. else, but it was a little bit outside of my demo even then. <laughs> um, but we had an amazing time. It was like super fun. I think it was my that was my first concert, and it was an incredible experience. I remember everything about it, and the show, and the lights, and it was, uh, it was quite an experience. All right, Billy, I gotta know, what was your first concert? Oh my God, no one would ever guess this. It was the Beach Boys. Well, wait a minute, I can kind of see that you're blonde, blue-eyed. No, it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> I, I was so young, my parents took me. But anyways, that's, that's for another episode. What was yours? Mine was Millie Vanilli and Young MC. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> Actually, my sisters brought me a poster from their Milli Vanilli concert. Live or memorized? <laughs> <laughs> so, we want to know what your first concert is. Leave us a message on our social media. Pili, Raul, and La Musica. And that's because the number of Latino concert goers in the U.S. is growing exponentially. Which I absolutely love and we witness every time we go to a concert, Raul. However, I wonder if brands and marketers are recognizing the value of nuestra comunidad. I think what's important is we, we want brands and we want marketers and we want advertisers and policymakers and community you know community organizers to look at this community and say now is the time this community is growing it's you know it's pace setting um, you know pace setting for for um, for America but even if brands can't quite get there yet 
what they should do is at least look at the power that this community commands, right? Whether through through music, we've been talking a lot about music and entertainment. We've been talking about um, social influencers. Our community commands so much. And if I were a brand or marketer, I would think, okay, if I'm gonna build my messaging around something that's meaningful and it's gonna be authentic, and it's going to be um, you know, high touch point, music would be the first place I would start. Wow. And you know, talking about different uh, organizers and promoters for festivals like Coachella or Lollapalooza that have been going on for now 20 years mm-hmm. plus, have they reached out to you guys or you reached out to them as far as like consulting or have they asked about anything like this? How important the Latino community is? The answer to that is a resounding yes. There, There is um, remarkable interest in better understanding music and how music connects Latinos to culture. You know, I think in particular the music space, which has really had a revolution around Latin music in the past few years. I mean, last year alone, 24 Spanish language songs hit the Hot 100 up from 19 just the year before. So, and and by Spanish language, what we mean is 50% or more is in language. So, you know, definitely the industry, uh, their eyes are open and they, you know, they, and and not just the music industry, advertisers, brands, they want to know how they build, how they, you know, bring together their brand with what's happening in the marketplace when it comes to music to, to, you know, more deeply engage Latinos. So they're paying attention. They are, they are beyond paying attention. They've definitely reached out to us. We have a full group that focuses on that at Nielsen, our, our Nielsen uh, music, music team. And a lot of the data we talked about today, like um, you know, listening information, streaming, uh, brand favorability, live music, a lot of that data comes from a new report that we have. Uh, this one is um, you know, for sale, but definitely reach out to us if you want more. That particular report is called Music 360, Spotlight on Latinos. And there is a deep dive into, I mean, everything, genres, device, music spend, streaming, paid versus, uh, you know, premium versus um, non, non-paid streaming, tons of content. And we would, we'd love to help any brand or marketer, you know, build a foundation that includes music. Yes, love it. We would love that too. We'll help you out. <laughs> that helps. That helps all of us, doesn't it? Okay, so then to kind of like recap um, our awesome conversation, the power is in us. Latinos, the power, we have we have the power, pretty much, right? It's remarkable just how much we're contributing overall to not just the U.S. economy, but like even population growth. I mean, we are, we're 18% of the population, but we contributing, we're contributing 52% of the population growth of the whole country. More than half is coming from our little 18%, huh. right? Our median age, I told you guys, is 28. Our most common age, our mode, is 11. So if you think about just in the next 10 or 15 years, the future of work, the future in our classrooms, the futures for the future for connecting with you know, with brands, who is the consumer that is going to be in that space? It's largely a multicultural consumer and it's largely a Latino consumer. So That's amazing. Uh, it is, there is no better time to, if you haven't yet learned about this community, please reach out to us at Nielsen. Just Google it. <laughs> Learn about the power of this community and the opportunity uh, for ROI uh, for your brand. And if you are a Latino, know your power get the data online, uh, you know the significance of the purchase you make, the brands you align yourself with, um, and don't forget, register and vote and be counted yes. in census. Please Absolutely. be counted, represent Absolutely. your community, we need you. It is so important, I mean, and, and that's kind of a, uh, have, you, have you seen like that the younger generation embrace these kind of trends? 
I, I have actually, and I've seen more and more, especially in the social space, like Latinos, you know, uh, Latina Equal Pay Day is is mm-hmm. is up is upon us, and um, I've seen in the social space so many, not just influencers, but just you know, regular people just embracing the dialogue around the strength and power of the Latino community. Mm-hmm. It is, I mean, it's a it's a very strong dialogue that's happening online. I'm I'm proud to be part of it. Brands are taking notice. Uh, and they they want to engage with us, and more importantly, on our terms, right? They're not just throwing us the poorly translated piece of content, but they're looking at who we are, going well, largely bilingual. Um, you know, let's think about connecting in a meaningful way that's authentic. Sometimes that's in Spanish, sometimes it's in English, and sometimes it's both, right? And sometimes it's in culture, which is totally different from language. And so, I mean, we are seeing brands definitely, you know, moving along the learning curve to. Um, multicultural maturity when it comes to understanding measurement and understanding um, brand activations. And obviously, too, this is ever-changing. So how does Nielsen, you know, what's in the future for Nielsen? Like, what are you guys looking for next? What's your next study? Well, I, all those things are still, um, we're still building out ideas. But what I'm looking at is for next year, because we do a big study every year, I'm kind of looking at um, AI, and I'm looking at how... Um, how the current algorithms that are in place, whether they benefit or whether there are opportunities for change um, that are more inclusive for the Latino community. So we naturally have, just because of the feminine and masculine ends of words, right? There's naturally the algorithm, algorithms are built in such a way that they may skew one way or another for something as simple as like, when my daughter grows up, I want her to be A, right? If you're putting that in, in Spanish, what are the options that are going to come up just based on, think of the, the machismo that exists in sort of search, wow. right? And that's all based on algorithms that are in, in AI. And so there are some, some neat opportunities there that we're kind of thinking about. We're also thinking about um, getting a little deeper in entertainment and uh, looking more at some, you know, very specifically how activations engage. And of course, we also love, always love the social research piece, which right. is not just what we do, but why we do it and really unpacking it in a way that's meaningful. So we have a lot to talk about with Nielsen. Yeah, I got to get to in work. The next, in, the next, <laughs> in the next year, hopefully. We would really love to have you back again, Stacey. I think you're full of knowledge and it's all super interesting. And I love your energy and how passionate you are about our community and about giving us power through all this knowledge. So thank you for spending some time thank with you. us here. la Musica. So check out the study. It's on nielson.com slash Latino, and it is called La Oportunidad Latinx Cultural Currency and the Consumer Journey. Stacy de Armas, such a joy. Thank you for having me. This was super fun. I have a lot more, so next time. Oh, yeah. Well, we're barely scratching the surface. There's so many things that I still want to ask you about, but yeah, we'll leave that for another episode. Thank you so much, you guys. Gracias for checking out our podcast. Hey, and special thanks to Ulises El Licenciado Lozano for our amazing theme song. Our mix and recording engineer, Mario Diaz. Our artistic director, Dak. And can't forget about our sponsors, Pili. No, Raul, United Airlines, Sure Microphones, and Jack Daniels. Gracias for supporting La Musica Latina. And for more information and other episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast at Pili, Raul, and La Musica. Hey, make sure to tell your tía, abuelo, primas, everybody to subscribe. A todos. <laughs>